I'm Yari Salmanen. And I'm Henry Ace. And this is Rerouting, a podcast in which two friends talk about making things and many other things. Monty. Hello, man. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Long time I haven't seen you. Yes, it's, been a, it's been a minute. Mm. I, uh, I always have a little bit of trouble introducing you mm. because there's a lot to introduce. <laughs> you are an architect. Mm-hmm. You're a designer. Mm-hmm. But when I when I try to explain to people to give you, them an idea of who you are, mm. I tend to go to place. Mm. You live in three places. You live in Cape Town. Yeah, I'm st- I manage. I'm so you clever look- that I managed to get stuck in three places. No yeah, one. you've yeah. got you've got Cape Town, you've got Ibiza, and you've got the Transkei. Trans-Kai, sorry, yeah, which yeah. is a very eclectic triangle. Mm. But I think when we met, mm-hmm. the first thing that I learned was about the beach bats you're an entrepreneur you're a designer and manufacturer of the finest beach bats in uh, in the land Mm. where did that start it's funny how the thing that started in uh, in a place brought me 10 years back in the same 10 years after in the same place somehow so the beach bed story is about one and a half decade ago. And it started from uh, a beach in Ibiza where someone didn't lend me a, a beach bed, a racket to play on the beach. And my brother just arrived back from Bali where he started to play this new sport, which then resulted to be one of the oldest racket sports existing anyway. And because they didn't let me one, I couldn't play. So when I went back to Barcelona, I decided to design one and to make one better than what they had. And yes, and then after that, I decided to, well, I make one, I can make a hundred. And then I thought I can make 5,000 and I can make way more. So yes, so that's how somehow it started, the idea of beach beds. But any idea comes somehow from something that touch you. And if you feel it, then re- you react. And a designer, the way to the react to something that touches you is to produce something. But this idea of taking the leap between the idea uh, and, and going into and, and making it, mm. that must have come before. Uh, what? Well... No, it definitely came after. I never had the the desire of... This is what I find absolutely beautiful about design, is that you don't need it. You don't think about it. You don't even know that it could exist. And Mm. then all in a sudden, an idea come, and then you realize that maybe you should do that, maybe you could do that, maybe you can provide the world with it. So it is a moment in which something that never even exists in this universe comes along. And the first place where it comes along is your mind. And by far your mind is not thinking about it. It just, if you really understand what I'm saying by ideas, Mm. it's like they come to you. Mm. 
there is a moment in which boom, you just see something, and yeah. other people don't see, it, and that's it. Yeah. So uh, the bad, and then whatever that whatever happened after that is a path that can be the very successful, but can be a defeat, can be loads of problems for nothing, but it's like there's one moment in which that just comes to you. Mm. And that comes to you maybe is 10 years of your life mm. afterwards. The sensitivity to environment and circumstance, is that that's where it comes from, mm. you know? Because you've, you've, now, you've now put, you've put a foot in all these different places in the world mm -hmm. and decided to uh, build things and design things and make things real based on the experience you've had in, in that place? Yes. Okay, first of all, the bats are the past and maybe, hopefully, it will be also be over the future. So there's a moment in which you step in a place and they give you an emotion, they piss me off, so I decided, look, I'm a designer, I better do something better than what they do. Mm. And then I come back and kick their ass. That's mm. what I did. This is a very Italian uh, approach. Way of yes, thinking. I would say. I'm this Italian. is like I can't a, deny. Uh, this is like a Ferruccio Lamborghini. Yes, I mean, you know? if you want to do things, you better do things better. You know, or at least try to do them better. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, so what makes a what makes a Monty bat? What is makes, the defining design well, brief there? Well, at the moment, apart from the fact that I'm not designing anything new, but I'm consulting just a guy at the moment, and maybe. A little door for the future is opening up, which is nice. But uh, it's a mixture of experience in producing stuff, understanding who you want to sell it to, who you want to make it to, and actually keeping a secret. Because any proper designer that must have a secret somehow uh -huh. behind. Mm. And the mixture of me being, well, I played the World Cup or whatever you want to call it. I was or well, I still am one of the best player, helps technically how to use a tool, mm. and the designer side helps to provide a tool. Mm. And the difficult combination is to explain somehow to people, especially if they don't want to listen, and that's a big problem, is how to use that very tool. I mean, it's like a drill. Mm. If you use a drill, you take the other way around, you never make mm. a hole. But if you use it properly and you have a good drill, you just definitely do what you need. Yeah. That's the same for, for a bat in this case. Wow. Is, uh, what it makes them special is that it's a very high quality and affordable price, but they don't play alone. So mm. you must give a little bit of effort to, to play with them and use your skills to actually use the tool. But now this was, mm. this was in the time I would imagine before you could look anything up on YouTube and have you yeah. know six different people tell you exactly how you know the the design of something comes to, comes to pass and so because that's where I'm at right now if I if I need to look up anything no, if, if I need really to, want to make something new you get information from YouTube but you don't see what doesn't exist yet. And that's the difference in between, I would say, a line of setting which you just wanna reproduce something and a set of mind in which research is always needed for anything you wanna do. Mm. Coping is also always allowed because you learn mm. from other people. 
And if you're happy with just reproducing something and maybe make a little hole somewhere else to be able to call it yours and not mm. somebody else, that's a bit tricky. If you're an expert in something, you know what's around you. And sometimes they inspire you and the competition is always a form of inspiration. So if someone comes out with a product that is better than yours, you better check it out and see what you can do to improve yours. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in Beth's issue at the beginning, it's like, it's funny, because now in South Africa, they all talk about paddle. A lot of mm. tennis players go, paddle is new, paddle is new. Well, when I started to design Beth, actually, it was new in Spain, and that was, I guess, 18 years ago. Or 15. Mm. It was new then because mm, that was the second country after Argentina where it came along. And I literally, the first bath I took, I saw these baths from Paddle and I saw, wow, that what an interesting shape. They would work on the beach. Mm. And I kind of copied that. But then, well, then I took my way. Mm. So I kind of copied the first one to make it with me. And it came out to be very similar to the little tools they used to take pizza out. <laughs> it was kind of weird shape and mm -hmm. <laughs> I made it myself somehow. I made a lot of them. That's also the, uh, the other side of it. You better do things yourself a lot of time mm. and be very much involved in every single step personally and know how, how you have to work the material yourself before mm. you can de delegate somebody else to do it for you. Yeah. And, then being, and then using what you make as a you know competitive uh, as a player so th this this is the other side of the story so if you go on a pro level of anything you really see differences that other people normally wouldn't notice so i don't know let's say a pro surfer pro skier mm. they just try a surfboard one second and they already know they look at it and they already know what they can do or they cannot do with it mm. You give me a bat, you give me one of the several boards that are available, and I kind of already know before even using it what can be done with it or not, mm. how it feels. And then and then as soon as you feel it, I don't know, for, I, can pl I play with a rock. I play with a chunk of pellets taking off, so I can mm. really play somehow with <laughs> bunch of stupid yeah. stuff yeah. so if you give me the right one I really can feel the difference yeah. and, uh, and that helps in designing something the way you want to design yeah so then mm. we then we come to South Africa mm. sometime later yeah and tents yes stretch tents yes become a part of your uh, come into your vision yeah. and You've, you've learned how to do that here. That that came here. We're moving on to the next location. We move straight to the desert, the Africa burn. We were, we were talking privately before. And sleeping under one of those tents was very interesting. I found them, I never seen them before. They were, wow, beautiful. On one side, function on the other side, then I ask the price and I say, wow, this is an interesting price also, because if you out there, there are not many and this price over there, you can't do much. So, yeah, then I start to be involved. In order to be involved, it meant for me, learn how to set them up. That means that I had the University of 
pitching stretch dance uh, Africa been one week 64 68 tens so any side mm. any wind hardest ground in the planet mm. location up to a point because the uh, anyway so it was a hard school mm. and some of the best riggers in the world so that helped me to learn how to rig them mm. I bought them and then I start to see this material, which is the stretch material, which is still, nowadays, in a little research that was coming along in the past few weeks to propose new solution, and nobody's still using this fabric for other stuff that is the standard stuff they use. What is, what is the material? What is it actually, is it, it's a, what, what is it? It's called triply. It's a triple membrane of elastic layers, two, top and bottom, and uh, I would say an insulation cable membrane in the middle, glued together. So it's a super resistant material, but basically it is stretch. Mm. So the fact that it's stretch, if you think any tent nowadays, they don't stretch. The material is solid. Yeah. If you think any glamping tents nowadays or even PVC, that, that material doesn't move out. Okay. So the fact you move something and this mm. tendency is to come back, mm. that's a force. It's yeah. elastic force. Yeah. So it's a structure based on elastic force instead of static solid force mm -hmm. of structure and pulling a membrane up where it goes and then you must have uh, either a pole or a beam that Meanwhile, when you stretch it, you actually never actually know how far, kind of calculate as far as it goes, mm. but that then try to come back. Mm. So that gives uh, the structural force or the membrane a different concept that is not applied to any other before existing tent. And at the moment, they doing all crazy kind of tents. I mean, there's a surf bag that become tents, hammock suspended flying, tree tents, mm. floating tents, and all that stuff. Mm. However, and especially now, they like a lot of inflating tents, like they float up, yeah. you pump them up, and they come up. Okay. Any kind of price mm -hmm. from, uh, I don't know, I would say a thousand rand to a hundred thousand rand. And I felt in love of this material because uh, quality-wise, hunger's proof, and you can give any shape. Plus, you can give shapes that had never been before. Yeah. So you can push it or you pull it. By pulling it, get deformed, but also get solidly, statically resistant to any of wind, rain. But depending on it being anchored properly, because you're under tension, what's the risk of something being under tension, not being rigged properly? Look, I give you a very simple, that's any rigger which is quite good would know. When it rains, the rain collected by a tent, which is maybe, let's say a beverage when 10 by 15, so it's 150 square meters. It goes, goes down, it goes down, but whenever it goes, it follow the ropes which are anchored with pegs. So all the rain goes in the end up, ends up in those pegs. If you put mm -hmm. a bucket mm -hmm. in the moisture in Ibiza, every night in one of the corner of the tent, I fill up a bucket for the mop. Okay. Moisture, no rain. Yeah. 
okay, yeah. in one night of humidity of the ground. Okay. So when it rains, that's a lot. So if that's a lot, start to make the ground soft and mm -hmm. you don't anchor it properly, that black, there is a moment that it flies off. And that's a slingshot that shoot a <laughs> 10 kg, 75 centimeter piece of iron quite far. So how do you how do you work around that? How do you stop that becoming a problem? And sometimes you don't. Sometimes you are too late. Right. Sometimes the rain comes and you're fucked, and <laughs> it falls down. <laughs> so that's one of the problems. But majorly is by making secure enough the fact that you don't have only one peg in the corner. You have three, and. Yeah. How deep, how deep are you anchoring these? That's another thing. There are different kind of pegs. Can be 1.5 meter peg. Really? <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> how the hell do you get that into the ground? About a meter and a half long. But how do you, you? I mean, you're not a big hammer. How do you? How do you put that in the ground? Hammer it down. Big mallet. Man, yeah, just put it down. And be, yeah. lucky enough, there are no rocks under. Yeah, because if you hit the rock, then doesn't go through the rock, and it bends, and then okay. you never take it out. Okay. Anyway, that's rigging tools. It's normal. Nothing yeah. super special. Uh, it, and you better know all this stuff before you design something that is related to all these issues, mm -hmm. because then you write the per perfect tent, and it's the, all the pegs fly off because it has too much tension, or it doesn't deform enough, etc., etc. Uh, however, what I'm fascinated again is the fact that. All these, I haven't seen in Google yet, any of the tents existing worldwide made in three-ply or flex, which is the stretch tent material. Mm. Mm. For whatever reason they do, they none, because they don't know it exists. This is mm. another thing, you know, you can't mm. actually expect people to know something that they don't know. And this is a South African innovation? It, it, it was a South African invention, development, they are, for several reasons, the major producer, the best producer, the guys that are 10 years ahead of the others, and you cannot really compete. If you produce them in Europe, you cannot compete price-wise with them. Mm. No way. Rent is low. Uh, labor here is cheaper than over there. Mm. No way you can come up with the same price, and they have a lot of experience mm. out of it. This is the thing that um, I always, I'm always fascinated by the idea of South Africa being a testbed for innovation for all sorts of different things. I, um, I, I was part of a, a medical technology uh, conference right. and it was, a, it was a, a, a congress of people who were innovating all over Africa in different uh, sort of medical uh, uh, technological fields. And um, <clears throat> there, were, there were two guys from Johannesburg who innovated a... Um, a device that was designed for reinflating people's lungs after being either shot or stabbed, mm. and because uh, unfortunately that's yeah, you know that it yeah. happens it happens a lot, and the device they made was so simple it was a little plastic valve it could be manufactured very cheaply it took them a long time to get to that simplicity of design, but this it's little plastic bag with a plastic valve oh. is the thing you want <laughs> when you want to reanimate someone. when you want to reanimate someone and um, you know it comes with it's it's under quite grim circumstances but I uh, I love here I, I love hearing that that kind of thing you know and 
not just in, t in, in the social structures, but also the physicality, getting back to the tents. You know, we've got so many different types of terrain and places where things need to work in South Africa. That it's not only that, so I interrupt you, mm. and I go straight to the origin of why it happened. You have the safari. You have a culture of luxury, comfort, camping mm. in the culture of the country in itself. And a lot of people, they have the trailers. Uh, now Porsche designed a tent that goes up on a Carrera 911. Mm -hmm. so yeah, the, the, they've just designed the, yes. the Porsche Safari. I don't know if you saw that. No, the but it's a it's wonderful so, thing. And, and guess what? Here you had tents up on the roof of the ten, of the car for 20 years. Yeah, You already had it seen it, but you develop all this stuff because there was a market for it. Mm -hmm. And maybe in 10 years time if other people start to compete and the technology will go so farther down but also the price that you're offering at the moment mm. for the product that is coming out mm. is not easy for an American or an European to come up with the same kind of price mm. at all mm. I mean I just give you an example stupid example poles uh, in the trans sky a 6 meter eucalyptus pole cost me 30 rand okay <laughs> in Ibiza, a stupid three meter pine, horrible quality cost me 30 euro, which is about 500 rand. Mm -hmm. So this is 30 compared to 500. And eucalyptus is? It's okay, gum tree could be better, but it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. The price of certain things here is completely, absolutely different than over there. It is so. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a unique it's a unique place uh, so I'm seeing like when I go to the factory and I'm not speaking much about it uh, the amount of people that works there it's it's a lot mm -hmm. or to have the same amount of labor in Europe it will mm -hmm. cost you so much that your price that you're coming out with the product for the same quantity in same square meter it's it wouldn't be sustainable on mm a comparable level to what is mm. here and actually it's also nice because what I see now is a witnessing of the evolution of what it was in five six ten years no I would say six years things change a lot move fast the, the way the tents are designed mm. the research behind the material the solution discovered and some of them kind of work them together it's very interesting because it's like a virgin, was a virgin field in which mm. keep on now the demand is increasing a lot mm -hmm. and uh, so a new solution comes along. Mm. And the quicker you find a solution for it and the better it is. Yeah. But for me, again, I'm not, fortunately I'm supported, I would say, up to a point and let's see if this point extended in the next few months by very technical expert in like I need to make a joint no <laughs> you need to make a joint, <laughs> joint no no a joint uh, it's gonna yeah. be arranged <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yeah, no, that's very easy no I mean uh, an extension for a pole or like a weird shape I don't have the context for for certain amount of developing capacity they have mm. so I need to develop a certain things for standard 10 they can help me out Mm. which is good but I have the vision of the designer I want to come out with and mm. they don't have they will replace and reproduce and keep on doing what they've done unless a client comes there and say I want this and then mm. they do it so they are a factory mm. and they are a producer mm. uh, 
I have fun designing things like the leech. What is the, the leech the animal? The yeah, yeah, the leech. Things that the little yeah, worm. So the leech blood, tent yeah. is a tent that you should be plugged out of your window. So okay. you squat your own window and you have a bed outside. <laughs> I would love to see the city plugged by leech fully. Okay, but now, but now, okay. That's on, okay. That's a bit of an extreme. No, but yeah. I want to ask you yeah. uh, about a specific tent design of yours that mm. we've talked about in the past, which is mm. the, the tree tent mm. that, uh, <laughs> that came about. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Mm. Uh, as an attempt to circumvent a law about yeah. setting up tents in Ibiza. Have I, have, yeah, um, it's what, very, what's the story? It's very simple. You don't touch the ground, you don't need a permit. So you need a permit no, if, if, if you the touch the ground. Touch they, the can, ground. they fly with drones. We fly with the helicopter. The speculation. Oh, they're police so drones. Have they got little red and blue yeah, lights on them? No, they don't even know that. If not, you can try to cover it or put it down. Okay. <laughs> no, they, yeah, so yeah, tents, so, no a permit only with this. If they give you a hundred thousand rent fine if you have a caravan and they find out that you rented out as a room in your land, not enough. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so even more. Okay. It's actually 10,000 euros, so it's 170,000 oh, rand okay. fine <laughs> if you have someone sleeping in a caravan in your land. So, uh, why? Well, is that because, is that they, they, that because uh, there's too much speculation now? Even if you sleep with a van somewhere, they get you, they give you a thousand. Um, How big is Ibiza? Like, is, is, is too many people a problem on that? No, island? the thing is that. They want to control certain amount, otherwise they really blow it out of hand. So a lot of idiots. That's right. a fact. Okay. Also, not enough infrastructure. So, and you cannot have eighty people sleeping on the road mm. or on, a, on a, in a van, and then they leave all the trash in the beach and things right. like that. Right. So, okay. uh, w uh, upon some time ago, I lived in a van in Ibiza for a while, for I would say two seasons, and there was no problem. I had my secret spot and I could sleep there easily, but I was taking out my trash and I was living my van life happily, which mm. is a nice life for some time, especially because you can sleep in a million dollar view mm. for, for free, basically. Anyway, uh, I'm jumping from tents. I'm getting confused from mafia. So, yes. Yeah, ma what's mafia? Ma you said mafia. Okay, what's mafia the, is in a, actually, you remember the story of the pegs that I just told you. Mm. So a friend of mine actually has been killed by one of those pack. He didn't flew out car crash and the pack flew out from the back of the bucky and went through him. Holy shit. Okay. And he went to the hospital. They said there was the hospital killing him more than the pack, but that's a discussion I'm not going to. His name was Mafia. Okay. He was from uh, Malawi, very good friend. So the paradoxal combination of an Italian man, mafia, mafia, mm -hmm. the fact that somehow you have to be tricky to put a tent there, it mm -hmm. was, an, he named a tree tent, which I call it mafia, and nowadays, which I'm seeing a lot of tree tents, again, in the research I've just done, mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, I'm stupid enough and not advertise it, but um, I don't see anything as interesting as. Okay. So, so okay, quality-wise, so quality-wise, because... So the mafia, we talk. What do we need to set this thing up? Three points, three trees, four trees. One tree, one branch of one, a tree. One branch of a tree. Yeah, you don't need nothing. You need a ring, though, 
you need aluminium ring which is oh, similar to okay. the trampoline so the hang- okay <clears throat> okay i understand or a platform so okay. for me the vision of the tents is coming out of one day i go camping and i bring if you want to do that you buy a simple tent mm. and if you stay a week though somewhere mm. it might be a little bit heavier it might be a little bit No, actually, it takes the same time to set it up, but it's just a bit heavier and bigger because the material is a bit bigger. But the comfort you have is just another level. Mm-hmm. So, yes, if you need to climb the Everest mountain, you don't want, you don't need the extra kg. Yeah. But there, you put in back of the bucket, you put it up, you find it, the place where to put it up, mm. boom, and then you have a house. Mm. So now. Mm-hmm. We Where? we move back to South Africa uh, to the Transkei. Uh-huh. Now I'm going to the Transkei mm. in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go visit where you have uh, this, the place where you have now decided to build mm. a house. Mm. That is fascinating to me. The idea of going to a place and deciding I like it here. How, how does this come about? Lucky how does it, how does it <laughs> <laughs> Because then you have the idea and then you have to face the reality of the idea. How, how, did, this, how did this happen? How are, you, how are you building a house in the Transkei now? Answering wise, I divide in two different sectors. One, it was a period of lockdown I was Italian, so I was two months in ahead of the lockdown mm. because it happened in Italy two months before you guys. So I kind of seen what it was coming to happen. I didn't want to be locked up in Cape Town, Airbnb somewhere. And I decided to run away and go to the Transkei mm. in a backpackers of a friend. The way up, it meant buying a motorbike, good motorbike, and one of the... I would say not craziest but toughest journey I ever done. Mm-hmm. And I'm not describing it now, but it was quite hectic to get there, including arrested and other stuff. And <laughs> Because of your being under supposed lockdown? I, yes, I was late on lockdown dates and next to Mtata and after. And actually, I was picking up. Should I tell the story? No, we have the time. We've got the time. We let's have the tell time. the story. Let's, <laughs> let's hear the journey. Okay, so you've now bought the So I bought GS. the bike and yeah, the GS, which arrived a bit late. I'm at the factory, designed a poncho stretch stand to survive the rain that I was going to face along the journey. I take the N2 and I drive all the way. And the front tire was a bit, like, not really very nice. Start mm. to rain in Hermanus and I get to J-Bay that... I put the wetsuit, I put the poncho stretch tent, and I was still wet inside. You're riding with the poncho wetsuit and every boots, wetsuit yeah. boots on okay. the Crocs. Okay. So <laughs> that was my oh, look. Okay. No, I get I, and it's so nice. So and you're, it's you're, cold. You're, you're riding. You're dressed <laughs> in a, a tent. I, I, I have a wetsuit, I have stuff. Wetsuit and the tent on top. <laughs> and I'm wet, okay, so now when, wet. When, when you're not wearing your tent, mm-hmm. how, how can you wear a tent that is also You must see when you walk down of the bike and go to buy to <laughs> a pie in the shop. And you know, <laughs> the people look at you like a merch. And it's just one day before the lockdown. So things yeah, were yeah. getting hectic. Also here, somehow... Anyway, I get to J-Bay, I try to find a place to sleep. Nobody gives me a place to sleep because night before Goblin, I have an Italian passport, so people start to freak out. Basically, I drive 100 more K towards, uh, I pass P. P-E. 
I go a little bit more, a lodge takes me in. So that night I'm so tired that I tried to shower, but there was no wood. You should take the tent off first. No, I took the tent off. I was so cold, (laughs) I want a hot fucking shower. And I didn't take the fucking shower because there was no water. But I went to sleep so tired, I slept. The next morning, I woke up, there was like 10 centimeters of water in all the room because the shower, I left it open. I didn't close. There was no water. And it was shooting out. And I was so tired, I didn't hear nothing. Oh, so no. when I woke up, it was a big, like, like I would say a 50, cent, 50 square meter flat yeah. floated completely. And <laughs> they were like, oh <laughs> and my then, God. so that's how I woke up. That's all good. Ground level or? No, no, ground level, normal lodge kind of situation. Okay. So all fine. And it went, okay, so okay, I take off again. And I was supposed to pick up a girlfriend in East London that day uh, and then drive to Mtata. And then... Uh, My favorite city in South Africa. Yeah, lovely. A great place. Uh, <laughs> number one. I highly recommend anybody who wants to have a great holiday go to Mtata for a week. <laughs> anyway, for me, sometimes in the Transkai period, it was a luxury. So I yeah. really went to Mtata mm. to have a room, a bath, mm. and electricity, mm. and a TV maybe for one day. Anyway, mm. but that's after. So this... The flight was to East London, but they canceled it and they sent it to Durban. So I was supposed to pick it up by bike. Okay. To East London. Uh, and now, lockdown, now eh? she's in that was like 12 o'clock that night, everything was shut the fuck off. Okay. And she was going to Durban now. Oh dear. Yeah, so that's quite a long fucking way up yeah. by bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rain, wet, steel, moisture. Illegal. <laughs> Illegal. So we find a way for her from Durban to take taxis and stuff and to get to Kokstad. But Kokstad is 180 kg after Mtata. Mm-hmm. So that's longer time. Again, go, bike, you go. Yeah. We managed to get there. She managed to get to Kokstad. I managed to get there. And we turn back, and we do the other 180 back mm. towards Mtata, which it was a bit late, also because as soon as she arrived, she went to have a nice cup of tea and a coffee. And the lovely thing is that on a bike, she arrived with a suitcase and a backpack. So she came suitcase. out with a fucking suitcase. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, so your, and your luggage rack is, my, I was believe, light it's, because it's an Apple box. Yes, you see my like, two I've beams. I've seen your luggage that's, rack. That, that, that way, it wasn't box. even there. It was different. <laughs> so anyway, well, we drove back. We get the way to Coxta, to Mtata. was over lockdown. They stop us. They lovely police people. I was kind of here with people with the, what do you call it, the hat that you just see? Balaclavas. Yeah, there was Holy serious shit. stuff. With guns and stuff, proper. Oh and they all put us together just in case if one had COVID, everybody went. And they keep us four hours from like, two o'clock in the morning to maybe one o'clock in the morning to three and a half, mm. four o'clock in the morning day. Just yeah. let, let us go. Mama with yeah. taxi, taxi late, I know all this. Yeah. Let us go. Dead, uh, dead boy, I was a bit tired. Just a little mm. bit. Um, take the wrong uh, turn, uh, uh, turn off to go to Mdumbi. So it's all, I do 90 kg of Gravel road mm-hmm. instead of doing the other one, which was the be much better. But yeah. that was the first time. And at sunrise, I arrived to Mdumbi that uh, I made it. Yeah, that's okay. And this was the place that was the, where I was supposed to be. Jerusalem. Yeah. So that's it. the place where I'm building the house now because I was locked up there because I'm an architect because uh, I had an. Uh, I was looking in front of, from the backpackers this hill, this beautiful 
place where they were kind of left a half-built house, and I say, wow. So I made an offer for their wow. They allowed me to build it my way. It took me one day to have the construction permission from the chief. Yeah. A bottle of whiskey. Two whiskey. 200 nice rand. And for an architect, that's kind of a dream, you know? Yeah. Building what you want, where you want, yeah. with what you have. For 200 rand permit one day and etc. Then, then it became real. So I had mm. to bring the bricks with the motorbike. <laughs> so that was another level of how I built it. But yes, that was the dream somehow. Uh, and, and it helped me because I let me finish the story. Mm. I was locked up there. I couldn't go back. My father died along the way. So it was a very good way to keep busy. Mm. And yeah, I'm making a little dream happening. It's, uh, it's extraordinary that that part of the world, up until 2019, I was completely unaware of the fact that there is a section of coastline in South Africa that is unbelievably beautiful mm. and almost completely untouched. The wild coast is as wild for incredible, some. Yeah. incredible place. Changing very quick as well. I'm am, I'm amazed that it hasn't been been done up already. Like, well, how do you see the change? What what change do you see? You see, I decided to be all there also because I've been traveling on coastline of the world for a long time and a lot of them, and it was still pristine. Mm. So when you get to a place and there is no electricity, not fully running water not paved road is a sign. Still, in the two and a half years I've been there, electricity came, mm. and at least another 10 houses out of which two or three are coming up quick, mm. quick, quick, quick. And when things are poor, speculation can be very quick. Mm. And uh, so it is changing quick in that sense that Again, like anywhere else in the world, what you see now is not what it's going to be in 20 years. Mm. So that place, is what, it was one of the last frontiers of this country in terms of wildness and beauty. Mm. Coffee Bay is fucked. It's mm. not nice at the moment. Sorry. Well, I mean, so, Coffee Bay was always this little pirate shanty town. Like, yeah, I was there 10 yeah, years yeah, ago. I was already and like I was that. Yeah. almost too old for it back then. So there's... If not, I mean, there's a little bit of danger that some Dumbi at a certain point will be transformed in a vibe that's not that nice. But fortunately, the community is kind of strong, mm. and that's what you need to understand and respect. That is their land, there's their story. So, mm. And eventually, you never col- you're not colonized. You're not there to teach nothing to nobody. You can suggest, you can also prove by doing things a certain way and they can copy and you need your help but a lot of people have the bad idea of going there and saying oh after six months you want to do after six months all your enthusiasm in telling them what to do goes away because you realize that it's not going to happen how is that Mm. uh, how has that process or learning to understand that affected the design of your of your house well um, again is a little bit part of culture, so you know where you are. And uh, if you're not interested in where you are, then you better go somewhere else. So for me, uh, mud bricks, 
shape of the rondavo, but mostly the cosa pattern of the way they dress, the traditional dresses mm. that they have was the form of inspiration and form of respect I would use to, at least for the aesthetic side of the house. So the real basic of idea was kind of using their system of building, keeping it very classic on the rondavo, completely transform the inside though, mm. and they, few times they really get inspired by it because the comfort of my rondavo is not what they usually see. Mm. And the main house, again, I use the pattern, but I re-inverted basically the shape of the roof. Instead of being the classic roof of the, what they do, I use the touch, then zinc, because I fuck it up a little bit. Um, so make, let's say, I hate to, the, the word modern, which is this very old <laughs> mm. somehow, but let's say reinterpret the shape they had, keeping the material they had mm -hmm. to perform something that never been performed what before. Are, what, are, what are some of those details, the things that, that you could bring into that basic design of, of like the rondavo that made it? Okay, so the rondavo is, uh, is, now we're going a little bit on architecture issue which mm. space, architectural space, nothing else. So space, space push, there are forces that push it out. When you're in a circle, two curved, converso, concavo. Mm -hmm. Sorry, speaking in Italian. Mm -hmm. So if you're between two concave. Con concave and convex. Yes, Outputs concave forms the space dilate, uh, expand. When you're between two convex, curve, it squeezes you. Mm. So when you're inside the rondavo, you're already presence of round shapes. Mm -hmm. So I use just simply two round walls to squeeze people in when they enter. And the rooms that I was creating was the kitchen on one side, I'm talking about six diameter, six meter diameter, so it's more. Mm -hmm. And the bathroom wall to give a privacy in the bathroom and uh, a counter for the kitchen. So as soon as you walk through, these two walls helps you, when you go around and you're in the kitchen, it dilatare, expand. Mm -hmm. Let's say that the, when you are between the walls, it expands. When you're in the bathroom, it expands, but it squeezes you when you go in. So it pushes you in and then it opens up. Okay. And I attach to the touch of the roof, the bed. So I have a suspended roping bed, which okay. I'm making a lot of knots with the tents, okay. figure out the ropes works out. So I optimize the space and I have mm -hmm. a kitchen and I have a bathroom and I have a bed all in the same rondavo and they never have a bathroom inside basically. Okay. So when they see the bathroom and they say, wow. Okay. They have a rondavo, which is the kitchen, a rondavo, which is the lounge, rondavo where you sleep. Yeah. Sometimes they have the kitchen, whatever it happens, happens. But that way in a sense, having so much in a little space mm. and also feeling comfortable. And the decoration inside is all made with a cosa pattern. Okay. So it's triangle lines, squares mm. and etc. How do you how do you approach uh, furniture in a space like that? You make it. You, you make it. Yeah, Furniture's mostly made. Mostly that's part of the fun. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't call it, I, I don't make the mattress. I didn't make the fridge. Well, there was no electricity, so there was no fridge for a while anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, the rest um, my, is very simple based. I use the structure for 
beaming like you have like you see the walls behind you you have a mm-hmm. wall coming out sticking out you make the walls the space for the cupboard mm. or for the shelves mm. and between the walls you put the shelves eventually mm. so it's rather easy to yeah. design and, uh, and then there is a lot of local beautiful piece of wood shells that you can use for lamps and etc etc mm. cutting bottles blah, 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 blah. Yeah. so you invent a solution mm. that's the interior I had a I had a I had an interesting experience recently. I filmed a project yeah. at the Cape St Francis Lighthouse uh-huh. in um on Cape, well the yeah. Seal Point Lighthouse uh-huh. in Cape St Francis. And the uh, there's a there's the lighthouse itself and then there's a there's a restaurant mm-hmm. that sits adjacent mm-hmm. to it. And I've never actually been inside of a lighthouse like mm-hmm. that. And they've turned the lighthouse itself into museum no a hotel oh, oh, boutique well, hotel yeah, well. two 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 suites oh, yeah. and uh it was beautifully elegant they they'd retained a lot of the patina and uh sort of broken plaster from the walls mm-hmm. but put in really elegant uh simple furniture oh. to make something that at face value is incre- very simple but uh, has an elevated um, sort of uh, d- design to it. It was it was it was it was lovely, and the lighthouse itself was fascinating. I had to go up uh, right to the top and and, and film from there. And um, along the way, they tell the the stories of the lighthouse keepers who'd mm-hmm. stayed there. Stayed there. The first one stayed there for forty five years. He was eighty six years old by the time he retired, and. Um, he tells the story of the the process of maintaining the lighthouse. Yeah. This very day to day mechanical process. Bef- long before they had electricity there, they never had electricity there while he was living there. And I think my favourite part was the 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 lens construction, the rotating yeah. assembly at the top of it, floats on a bed of mercury, mm. liquid metal, as a sure. as a lubricant. Uh-huh. And they would have to clean this stuff through a sieve. They would tip it out, and they would breathe it in. It's all fine, but this is this is this is what they did. And it was amazing to me that this enormous glass construction floats on mercury. On, on mercury, because I guess that was the best the best way they could they could do it. And then he would have to go up every single day and give it two hundred cranks. Crank, 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 and then for turning. At for turning, mm. and they didn't have any electricity there. Him and his wife and their two children. They lived there for decades. Yeah. Paraffin powered everything: fridge, stove, and uh, and a well. And that was and that was their life. A little bit of a diversion there, but I found this fascinating. Um, there's just this this you know. So would you sleep there as a client? Well. Um, the the I'm rate sure yeah, the rate not, is five thousand. Yeah, that's exactly what we are talking about. Yeah, so and for, so if I were if I were so inclined, I found that to be a very unique and, and beautiful what, place to what, go that's stay. That's what we are saying. Yeah, um, but I'm that's a bit above my pay grade. Yes, mm. there is a level of experience that you want to pay for, mm. 
And somehow both the tents and the Transkai house want to represent a little bit that. It's a new, unique experience. I'm mm -hmm. not offering, or I don't want to offer the normal standard room or tent somewhere. Mm -hmm. I want you to put either in a location you, with a comfort, but also a simplicity. It's not a five-star hotel, mm. okay? Uh, you must understand. Also, you must experience the place. Mm. So, it's the experience of the space where you are, mm -hmm. and that has a price of mm. nowadays. Of course. And that's what my, somehow, idea is in Transkai, also tent-wise, mm. applies to. Yeah. No, it is. And, you know, seeing, seeing, seeing a place like this I've now I've now just completed a project where I've had a whole raft of experience uh, filming all the biggest restaurants in South Africa, all the mm. fanciest, nicest places, and the ones that the ones that stick out are the ones that somehow take a very simple building and in a great location and present a, a dining experience that is people elegant. are bored of the Sheraton. People are bored yeah. of the massive construct. It's yeah. still good or whatever, but you want to have, and also the technology or the the set of mind. I think is, is changing and mm -hmm. glamping is already old, but the pleasure of having a great location mm. and let people relax, not being under constant stress even of the posture in which they sit. You mm. understand what I'm saying? Education yeah. is okay, but just leaving really the space and offering a special experience I think also mm. food wise is what is presenting in a lot of way elegant well done but mm. with a touch of freedom I would say mm. or actually understanding where you are mm. so there is a connection between where you are if you go to a Sheraton wherever you are it's all the same mm. you don't really feel different you need yeah. to walk outside to know where you are meanwhile mm. what matters somehow is that you can definitely and I mean, it's stupid, but the house, when it's done, it's not done yet, around the roof, there will be some lines back and the kids that help me out should write their name along the, under the roof mm -hmm. as a pattern. Mm -hmm. So whoever ends up there must realize that that place is not even mine somehow. Mm -hmm. So it it's, can only be in that place and yeah. only exist there. Yeah. And that's what I kind of like about it. Yeah, amazing. Can I go visit? If I go up there now, what's If you pay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, I'm joking. Yeah, of course. I Unfortunately, I mean, you can, you, uh, this is the other reality. So at the moment, I screwed a big plank of plywood on my door mm -hmm. because they stole the drill and stuff like that. I can the take a drill with me. I'll take, you take the drill, take you're screwed, uh, you go in the ronda. actually check if the roof is leaking. Please. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 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 Repair it also. Check, <laughs> it eventually. check it out. Listen, uh, Monty, yeah. thank you so much sure. for sitting again mm -hmm. with me. Um, <laughs> it's been great and um, maybe I'll do a little side note when we're, when we're up there in Dumbi. Mm. Leave you a little voice note and see if see if it's see if it's place <laughs> still, still it's not blown away. First, check if the roof is still up. We'll uh, do. All, right. All right, thank you. Arrivederci. Ciao. 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 Thank you.